This is the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. All right, so if you guys have been here for the last couple of weeks, we are in a series called Been There, Done That. Um, so that means that if you've really, if you've actually been here and you can be like, yeah, I've been there, I've done that. So we did that. We've done this series. So I'm excited to jump back in this morning um, into our Been There, Done That series. For those of you that maybe have missed, this is us taking a look back at a lot of the Bible stories that you guys hear growing up, like as little kids. Like it's a lot of the stuff that they run through over in kids ministry. They're like, usually there's big pictures that go with it and there's always like a song or something. Um, and so it's funny because I feel like all of these stories that I'm going through, I, I have at, at one point or another, Leland has already, who's my son, he's three, um, has already like come home and been like, we talked about this today. Uh, and this story that we're talking about today, I think it was, one, it was another one of those stories that he just like got stuck on. Um, and we're gonna be talking about Jonah this morning. So Jonah, the whale, like you guys know, big fish, like this is, this is a common story. And again, I'm gonna have, you guys, have to ask you guys to not check out on me. All right, don't check out because it's like, oh yeah, right? In your mind, you may not be saying it, but you're literally just like, oh, Jonah, been there, done that. I've heard it a million times already, so often. Don't do that, all right? That's one of the worst things that you can do with God's word um, is to just check out. Because again, God's word is living and active and I think it's constantly teaching us even in the, in the places where we think that we've gone over and over and over again. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Jonah gets its own book. Um, it's very small, but it's the book of Jonah. It's towards kind of like the, the back of, of the Old Testament. Um, it's very, it's like literally tiny. You could miss it um, very easily. Uh, the, the books before it, it goes Joel, Amos, uh, Obadiah, which is literally one chapter, it's 17 verses, so you could miss that. And then uh, Jonah. And so if you hit Micah, you've gone too far. Um, do we have anybody here named Micah? Have any, that's right, yeah. Don't hit Micah. Then, yeah, if you've hit Micah, you've gone too far. So, womp womp. I love those. I love doing that. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, I know I, yeah. Oh. So go ahead, yeah, Book of Jonah. He gets this whole book. It's four chapters, and they're like, they're four little chapters. But before we jump into Jonah, I have a, I have a question for, for you guys, just to help me kind of know how well this illustration will, will work. Um, how many of you have seen the movie Tangled? Tangled? Okay. That's right. And then for those of you not raising your hands, how many of you have actually seen it? And you're just being like, oh, I've never seen that. Good. Um, so Tangled has been one of, again, we're going back to Leland here, um, has been one of his favorite movies for a while. So I feel like he goes in stages and we hit like this big tangled, tangled phase where it was just like, that was constant. Um, and the reason that I, my mind goes to that, that movie um, is because if you remember, if you've seen it, and if you don't, I'll try and explain this well to you. Uh, the very beginning of the movie, there's kind of this like uh, prologue to the story. And what happens is there is kind of, it's like, it's, it's a, a drop from the sun. It's magic. It falls down from the sky and it hits the ground and out sprouts this like magic golden flower. 
with like all these and like insane like healing abilities, and it's supposed to be like for the good of of tons of people. Um, but this old lady finds it. Um, her name is Mother Gothel. She finds the she finds the flower, and instead of of sharing um, this flower with other people, she hides it and keeps it for herself. Um, essentially, giving herself uh, everlasting life. Uh, and so, if that doesn't sound biblical, I don't know what is. Um, but so she basically has this flower. It's weird. She sings to it, um, and it like it grants her youth. Uh, so she goes from being like an old a old lady to she's young again. Um, and that's kind of like the the purpose of the story of, of the beginning of the story. But anyways, the story goes where where she hides it, and it's this whole big thing where it was supposed to be for everybody. And I think a lot of the times we have things in our life that are like that that are for the good of others, and we say, um, I'm going to keep that all to myself. And we actually see that a lot in Scripture as well. And so as we look at Jonah, that's going to be kind of where our, our mind goes, hopefully, that I can take you um, in that direction this morning, of, of thinking about the things in your life that have been gifted to you or, or are a blessing to you. And instead of, of having a mindset of, I want to keep those things, it's how can I give that away. So here we go in Jonah. I'm going to read um, kind of chunks of this. I don't think we've ever read, uh, read through an entire book of the Bible on a Sunday morning, but we're going to get pretty close to that this morning. So um, if you have your Bibles again, this is Jonah 1, um, and I will just read this. We'll, we'll throw verses up later um, because this is, this is too much for the screen, but follow along with me here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Can you say that? Everybody say that. Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. This is a a nasty storm. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, Let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where did you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Oh, you kind of gave yourself away there, Jonah. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do that, to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Verse 13, instead the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, 
Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. All right, so these guys think that they've just murdered a man. Jonah's like, throw me overboard. And they're like, oh, no. They try everything that they can do to not throw Jonah over. And eventually it's just like, all right, yep, I guess we got to do it. We're sorry, God, but we're going to kill this guy. Um, and so that's, that's legitimately what they do. But then here we go, verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. All right, so we've set the scene now. Here's Jonah, this guy. He hears from the Lord at the very beginning in verse two. God says this, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So God gives him immediate direct instructions of this is what I want you to do. And then look at the very next verse. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he went down. And so he literally, it's like, all right, here's what I need you to do. Jonah, I'm giving you very clear, direct instructions. And Jonah's like, um, I'm going to go this way. That sounds great, but I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this. All right? And so immediately we see that Jonah has a problem. He has an obedience problem with God. All right? And I, I think for some of us, we have a similar problem when it comes to knowing what's right and what I should do versus actually doing what's right. I found in my life, I'm 28 years old, you guys, and that's still one of the hardest things for me to do is knowing what I need to do and knowing what's right, and, but translating that from here to here, to where like, I'm gonna actually go and do what's right. I know that, or even what comes out of my mouth, like I know that I should not, or I should say those things, but I'm not going to. Like it's this just, I should do this and I'm not. All right, Jonah has this obedience problem. He disobeys God. He runs, right? Like he runs away. He finds himself on a ship. These dudes throw him into the ocean. And at that point, like it should have been done. Lights out, Jonah, this, that's the story. He disobeyed God and he got thrown into the sea. Like that should have been it. Um, because whenever you're thrown into a raging storm in the middle of the sea, like you don't normally survive. Like, so for those of you that don't know, my dad... Um, his name's Robert Crawford. Uh, they live far away from here. But he was in the Navy for 30 years almost. And my dad was on a carrier ship. And those are the ships that airplanes land on. They're huge, gigantic. And they sail out through like the Pacific and the Atlantic all over the place. It's crazy. These ships are, are mammoth. And so my dad would tell me stories about guys who would go out. You had to take watch. So they would have like, all hours of the night, there was always somebody on watch. They had people in different sections of the boat all over this place. It was like a little city. And you had guys that would go out in the middle of the night and they would be on watch. And my dad told stories about how two or three times guys fell overboard in the middle of the night. Like, or if, if the storm was rough and it, it, it caught the boat or something, guys fell into the ocean. And I would be like, as a kid, I'm like, and then they found them, right? And my dad would be like, no, no, they didn't. And it, and it was, it like terrified me. And, and from that moment on, I was afraid of like being out in the ocean. And so I, I think about this and Joan, like not only are you getting thrown out into the sea, like this is a raging storm. 
I don't know if you've seen YouTube videos or other things of how high and crazy waves can get, but this storm was so nasty that like their boat was breaking into pieces to the point where they're like, we'll do anything to get rid of this storm. And then Jonah's like, well, you could throw me overboard. And they're like, we'll do that. Like these guys are desperate. This is a crazy storm. And if you end up out in the middle of the open sea, like it's pretty much game over. Like there's not a lot of hope here. But verse 17 says this, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. That is nuts, all right? First, he disobeys God. He runs away. And what does God do? Not only does he rescue the the guys on the boat that didn't even have anything to do with causing this problem, he rescues Jonah. What up to this point had Jonah done to deserve rescue? Nothing. He saves him with a fish, a giant fish. And so here we go, chapter two. my little chapter two. Ba-ding. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep and into the very heart of the seas and your current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Right, so even just there, he, like he understood what was happening. Like, this is probably it. And he just cries out. He says, Lord, save me. He says, out of the depths of the grave. He's like, I was as good as dead and you rescued me. If you, if you, if you kind of skip down, verse eight, it says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. So he is, he is grateful at this point of how God has rescued him. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. So he has experienced a very real physical rescue of his life here. And then, I love this, verse 10, chapter two. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. All right, sometimes I feel like we have this nice picture of like the fish like just like pokes his head above water and he's just like, like, and he spits Jonah out, and he, like, flies into the sand. Though for some reason or another, this fish is, like, sick um, and gets up and decides to come up and literally throws him up out of his mouth. And so it's a horribly gross picture, but I love it. Um, so that's, like a little, that's the not kid, kitty version of, like, I feel like I saw some picture books where, like, Jonah was in a whale and got, like, shot out of the blowhole of the whale. And it was, like, this fun, like, wee! And then I was like, oh, man, that would be so fun. I should try that. Don't try it. Um, No, (laughs) don't do that. The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And so then here we go. Jonah has had this saving experience and now he's gonna go and do what the Lord has commanded him. So he gets a do-over. Chapter three, verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Immediately, verse three, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh, all right? So he immediately is like, all right, yep, I got the picture. I'm good now. I'm, oh, Nineveh? Okay, yep, oh, that's, I was already going. Yep, I'm on my way. I'm going. Yep, here we go. Like he's, he's in, 
God, you rescued me, you saved me. I understand I should probably be obedient to you. He gets it. He goes to Nineveh. Verse four of chapter three. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. You hear that? Verse five, after Jonah gives his message, the Ninevites believed God. Like, oh my goodness. All of a sudden, this message comes in and it's just like, yep, we're in. We believe. Uh, okay. I feel like this caught Jonah off guard a little bit. It says, continuing in verse five, they declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. And when the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. So like, this is serious. Like they understand what has happened here. And they're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna turn from this. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I believe you. And I don't know if it's because maybe some of them saw this fish spit Jonah out. I don't know what happened. But it's just like something, some reason, this city that was apparently horrible and that God was ready to destroy, like they just, like the light bulb comes on and when Jonah is like, you guys need to turn from this and, and trust in the Lord, they say, yep, we're in. Immediately. And so verse 10 says this, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. All right, so you have this city that's going to be destroyed. God tells Jonah, you need to go there. You need to warn them. Jonah's like, nope, I'm not going there. Forget them. And he says, "Um, actually, yep. And so he puts him in a fish. Then he gets spit out. And then Jonah's like, all right, yep, going to Nineveh. And then he says, turn from your ways, trust in the Lord or else the city will be overturned. And immediately the people believe in God. And because of their repentance, because of their turn from their evil ways, from their sin, God says, all right, you're forgiven. That's verse 10. I think the most important thing about this story happens in chapter four. And that's where the main kind of portion of our lesson this morning comes out of. Chapter four, verse one. So after all of this has happened, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than live. I'm sorry, um, Jonah, did I miss what happened? What? Do you guys see, like, Jonah is angry that because they turned from their evil ways that God forgave them. Like, Jonah's mad about that. He's like, I knew this would happen. (laughs) And it's like, Yes. I knew, like, he's like, he says, that's why I was so, that's why I ran away. Because I knew that if I went to them, that you would forgive them and they would repent and they would, and everything would be fine. But I wanted, I wanted them to be destroyed. That's horrible. Jonah, what's wrong with you? All right. What, 
What in the world? And I love this. Verse four, this is God talking. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> all right, Jonah, you're on your own. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> all right. Jonah, the man who was disobedient and should have died in the ocean, who got rescued by a fish, only for him then to be able to do what God had asked him to do the first time, is mad at these people who repented because he knew that God was loving and compassionate and then he wouldn't destroy them. You guys see what's wrong with that? Like Jonah has already forgotten the very fact that he was rescued from his sin and his disobedience and his evil, like immediately forgets. And then I love this, verse five, Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Like he's literally, he's like camping up on the top of a hill to watch and be like, all right, bring on the fireworks, God. Let's bring it down, come on. He's like, he's, what's wrong with you, Jonah? He sat in the shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. <laughs> so he's, do you see, like God's still like, he caused this vine like so that he could sit and be in the shade. Like that God's still taking care of him. Even while, like Jonah has got this whole thing screwed up and mixed up and backwards. And then I love this. But at dawn on the next day, this is verse seven of chapter four, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. But it's just like he giveth and taketh away, right? When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. So he's literally passing out from heat stroke. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. What's Jonah, what is going on, man? What in the world? <laughs> and then God says to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Jonah, get a little sassy here. I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. All right? Have any of you ever, have any of you ever felt that way? I'm so angry I could die. I don't understand, like, but here's the deal. Like, it's, so it's easy for us to sit here. I could read it like this. It's easy for us to sit here and look at Jonah and laugh at him, all right? But let me, let me, try, and, let me try and bring this around for us a little bit. So go ahead, go to, the, go to the next one for me. Go to the next slide for me, all right? So this is why it's silly. Um, because over here, we get to see Jonah disobeys God. He repents. God saves him, all right? Nineveh is sinful, right? They're diso disobedient. Nineveh repents, and God saves them. Like, that's, that's how it works. Like, when you repent from your sin, God saves you. That's how it works, all right? Nineveh is sinful, Nineveh repents. God saves them. This, like, Jonah, of all people at this point, should be excited for Nineveh. Like, he should see 
who God is and his character. He knows his character. He's like, I knew that you were compassionate. I knew that you were loving and slow to anger, abounding in love. He says all of these things about God. And he's like upset that God could be so loving and patient with people. And again, it, it seems silly, but that question of, of why is Jonah so angry? And it's, it's one of the same problems that we see all through scripture with God's people, we see it with the Pharisees. Like the whole problem with the Pharisees in the New Testament, I know they get a really bad rap, but it's, it's the same problem that they have that's all through the Old Testament, through the Israelites, through, through God's people, is that God chooses Abraham. He says, I will make your descendants like the stars and through your descendants, I will bless all people, all people. But somewhere in the midst of that, the Israelites, God's people, they forgot about that whole blessing everybody thing. And they're like, this is just for us. It's just for me. You gave us this gift. You gave us this thing. This is just for me. It's just for us. And they're like, forget all the other people of the world. No, this is just, this is our thing. We are rescued. We're saved. We're God's chosen ones. And everybody else, you just, you just get out of here. All right? This is our thing. We're special. And they forget how quickly, they forget very quickly, they didn't do anything to make themselves special. They didn't do anything at all to make themselves special. God simply chose them and rescued them. And Jonah is suffering from the same thing. And I know this, so this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I was trying to think of like, what is, what's like a real world example of, of this a little bit? Because I, I think honestly, you see this at school. I've seen this, I've seen this happen. I've been a part of this, unfortunately, where there are people that you know, where you would maybe in your mind, you would judge them a little and you would just be like, that is probably, that kid is like the worst kid at our school or that kid, that's the worst kid in our class. He does this or, or she says these things or, or she goes around and, and he goes around and they, and all, right? And then maybe something happens where, where they start to ask questions about, about faith or, or it's almost like there's an opening there of like, I could maybe talk to them about Jesus or, or if there's a kid that you've pegged as a bad kid, right? As some of you sitting in this room, you've pegged, you've pegged them as a, as a bad kid. You find out that like they go to church every once in a while or that maybe now something has changed in them and they're starting to ask questions about Jesus and other stuff. And instead of reacting with excitement and it being like, oh man, let me help you. Let me talk to you about this. We just immediately kind of judge them even further. And it's almost like it's our job to like squash this potential joy or potential hope or understanding about who Jesus is. Cause it's like, no, you're too bad. There's, you can't come here. You can't come to church, right? You're not good enough for this, all right? I am. I'm good enough for this. Does that sound a little familiar? When a kid walks in, even into this room, that you may, you may know things that they've done or whatever at school or, or way, the way they talk or whatever, and they walk in here, and you sit over there in the corner, and you're just like, I can't believe that they're here. I'm serious, because that happens. And instead of understanding that you have also been rescued or saved or that God accepts you here, he, he, like, that he loves you, 
despite your sin and your brokenness, you would look at somebody else with sin and brokenness and say, well, they're just way worse, God. I'm just like, they don't deserve to be here, but I do. We literally, we look at people like that if we're not careful. And so watch your heart. Don't, don't end up like Jonah. I think that this is another silly example, but I think, I was trying to think of, of someplace I've seen this kind of like on a global scale. And so I'm just, stay with me here. This happened a couple of weeks ago, really like a month and a half ago now. Um, There's this whole big thing over uh, Kanye West. And, and, and he, he had this kind of big announcement of like, I'm a Christian now, I've come to faith. He put out this Christian rap album, like he put it out and everybody's just like, oh, Kanye's a Christian now. And so, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go say one way or another or whatever. But I think the thing that surprised me the most were, were the people that were like angry at him. Now, we don't know if it's legitimate or not. I'm not Kanye's friend. I wish I was. Actually, I don't know. Um, we don't, you don't know. Like, you don't know his heart. And, and you can get into that whole discussion or whatever. But the thing that I saw that was like social media everywhere, the discussion that was about all of this stuff was like there was just this group of people that were Christians that were like just angry. Like, no, like he's not allowed in the club, kind of. Like he's not allowed in our group. Like he can't be a Christian. He's done too much bad stuff. Too much bad stuff. Oh, hold on. Because <laughs> the Bible that I read talks about that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death, and that's for all of us. And so if you've been rescued, you've done nothing special on your own to deserve that. It's not like God was like, hmm, no, you're doing pretty good. I'm going to pick you. You're on my team now. It's not how it works. You don't have anything that God needs, but he still chooses you and rescues and calls and saves. You have nothing to offer God. And that's why then when he calls the only thing that you can say is, God, here's my life. What would you have me do? It's easy for us to be upset sometimes over somebody else's turning because maybe we think they haven't done enough. What is that? That's an odd thing to think. And so the question that I would ask for you this morning, I'd have, have this question. Go ahead, go to, the, go to the next one for me. Let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, next one. Think about they got what they deserved. Who is someone in your life that instead of pointing them to Jesus by loving them, you're eagerly waiting for their life to fall apart? Who's that kid in your class, at your school, on your team? Maybe it's a a cousin. Maybe it's a family member. Who's that person that instead of loving them, instead of sharing God's love with them, you have made the decision for them in your heart that they could never love God, that they could never turn from the life that they're living. And instead, you sit back with popcorn in the shade, waiting and watching for their life to fall apart and for you to enjoy it. It's a dangerous place to find yourself, you guys. So who is that person? And then what do you need to do about it? Because I think the story of Jonah tells us a lot more 
about the fact that we should be excited. We should be sharing God's love, his word, his commands, this, this call to repentance. We should be sharing the gospel with people, hoping and expecting that God will do a miracle in their heart. Not saying, well, I invited them to church and they said no, so you know what? Well, their life's probably gonna, it's just, that's it, that's it, you know? Nothing else I can do. You give up on them and you just sit there and you wait to watch their life fall apart. That is a dangerous place to find yourself. And it's, and it's very, honestly, as I, as I think through even the people in my life that I struggle with, it's a really difficult place to pull yourself out of because you almost have found yourself enjoying watching things happen to them that are bad or just unfortunate. Or like, and you're just like, yep, well, they got what they deserved. So, but the question that I would then turn around to ask you is, did you get what you deserved? did you get what you deserved? And I would say the answer is no. Because if we deserve death and the God of the universe offers you life, how can we turn around and condemn somebody when they're in the exact same spot that we have been ourselves? And that's where I'm gonna kind of leave it. And I want us not only to remember what God has done, to remember his rescue but to also think of the people around you that are in need of Jesus. Do not abandon them, maybe because they're different than you or because they come from a different background than you. Nobody is too far away for God to rescue them. Even if they're in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the sea, God can provide a way to rescue. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, thank you that you have come to rescue, that you have come to save that even in this season of Christmas, um, as we look and, and are in a, a, just a period of ex, expectation and waiting, um, being reminded of, of how you came as a baby, God, and, and just the hope and peace and joy that, that, that your birth brings, God, would that remind us of the fact that you have not given us peace and hope and joy to keep just all to ourselves, God, but you call us to go and to teach and to make disciples and to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus for all that would hear. So would we do that? Would we be willing to lay down maybe the grudges that we hold against those people in our lives? Even now, would you begin to to just tear away the excuses that we've already even been saying over and over in our mind of of why we can't go to that person or why I could never interact with them or why they don't deserve. Would you just begin to just remove those things? God, would you show us and remind us of your compassion for us and would that encourage us and spur us on to be compassionate and kind towards others around us? We love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at gsmthechapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.